Hello, welcome to Whole Human. This week we're going to look at love and look at the shepherds and how God approaches the shepherds and, and the love he has for them. If you'd like to grow in your relationship with God the Father, I invite you to check out the known program I developed with my partner, Dr. Matt Bruninger. You can look up more about that program on knownbythefather.com. Hello, welcome to our fourth week. This week we're going to look at love and look at the shepherds. I'm going to read the scripture and Isaac's going to give you a little reflection. So our last scripture is Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 20. The birth of Jesus. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration that was taken while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Quirinius, sorry, was the governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room, no place in the guest room. Now in that same region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child laying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. And Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. Shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. Beautiful. Thank you, Matt. Jesus really loves us. He really, really loves you. I was reading, I've been reading this book about near-death experiences where people share where they, they like die for a certain amount of time. And they have this experience of Jesus. And one of the people writing about it afterwards, after he came back to life, was writing that when he was looking in Jesus's eyes, it seemed like Jesus only loved him. And then when he thought of somebody else and he looked into Jesus's eyes, it seemed like Jesus only loved that person. And then he'd think of somebody else and Jesus only loved that person. Jesus only loves you. It, we can get into this strange place because we're so wounded. And so it's easy for us to kind of set ourselves aside. I was thinking as we were preparing that 
we can kind of say Zechariah and Mary and Joseph, they're kind of these fancy, important, holy people. And then angels show up to them and they get to have this really special experience with God and get to be a big part of the story. And this is why I wanted to focus on the shepherds today when I'm talking about love. The shepherds in that time, I've been told, were, were seen more as like ruffians and thugs. They were outcasts of society. They weren't just like these nice picturesque people that lived in the fields and sang songs, um, but they were rough and distrusted. And Jesus only loves them. Like, it, like look, at, look at what he does to get close to them. First, he becomes flesh. He, he becomes incarnate in the world. But that's not close enough. And so he has Quirinius shuffle the whole world around. He's like, I know, I need to get closer, but how can I get closer? How can I get Mary and Joseph to go to this random town? Oh, I know, I'll just shuffle everybody in the world around to have them do a census, and that will get Mary and Joseph to the town of Bethlehem. But that's not close enough, because the shepherds are outcasts. They're not going to come into town. They're not going to be part of normal, healthy society. They're the thugs living on the outside. They're the ruffians that aren't trusted. And so he says, okay, I'll make it so there's no room for me in the inn. I'll make it so there's no room for me in normal society either. I'll go out to the place where there's animals. I'll go out to the barn. He's preparing to invite these shepherds to his birthday party. He, he has them in mind. He's shifting the whole world and setting up all of these situations to get close to them, to invite them, and to invite them not just to come and take this big step and make themselves uncomfortable, but to come to a place where they're comfortable. He's preparing a place for them. His birthplace is, is for the shepherds, so they can come, so they can come and behold him. And then when he has the whole party prepared, he's got the room set up, he sends an angel to say, come to my party. Like, look what's happening. And not just one angel, but like a whole party of angels. Like, they get so many angels. They're all singing and having a good time. And it scares the crap out of the shepherds. <laughs> but then they're like, at least curious. They got their attention. These are people, like, you can imagine the people that say, if I went into a church, the church would start on fire. It's like these people... These are the people he's trying to invite to his birthday party. The people who feel like they're too bad for religion. They're too bad for society. There's something wrong with them. And they've kind of convinced themselves that that's okay. But they deeply long for God. And so he sends, he sends the angels. He sends a party that says, come, celebrate with me. Come to my birthday party. And so they're like, okay, you got my attention. And then they go to find him. And I think part of what filled them with joy so much is not just that they saw God, but that they saw God had prepared a place for them right next to him, a place where they would be comfortable, a place that they were invited into, that he was a God for them. 
around animals, poor, outside society. He was a God who wanted to meet them. How often do we see ourselves that way? We see ourselves as there's there's something wrong with me. In some way, like even if we're mingling in fine society, we see ourselves as outcast. Or that there's part of us that's outcast. There's part of us that doesn't belong, that shouldn't get to show up, that doesn't get to come to church, that doesn't get to come into our relationships. I work with a lot of people as a therapist. And with everybody I work with, there's some part that they hate. There's some part of themselves that they hate. That if they could, they would destroy it. They've done their best to hide it, to shove it away, to control it, to minimize it. But they really wish they could just destroy it. And it can't be destroyed. And over and over again, that place actually becomes the place of greatest intimacy. The greatest intimacy with God. That God goes through so many lengths to get to that place, to love that place. To love you there, where you hate yourself, where you've outcast yourself. He wants to go there. These people, these shepherds, these random shepherds in this random village, like you can see the intensity with which he searches them out and prepares for them and invites them. He loves them. He wants them. He shifts the world around to get to them. And all the while knowing the big ways that they've cheated, their anger problems, their drinking problems, he knows it. And that actually makes him burn all the more to get to them, to meet them, to have him come to his house, to celebrate his birthday. He's eager for them. I want to I want to show another thing that happens in this reading. And this, this actually, you can see it a lot when, when angels show up. So the angel shows up to announce good news and to celebrate. Like those are the two things I see the angels doing a lot is they, they announce the good news and then they have a good time about it. So God reaches for these shepherds. He announces the good news to these shepherds. He, he sends the angels to them. And then the shepherds go and see Jesus and they take the role of an angel. They go out into the town and they announce the good news. They're overwhelmed with joy. And then they go back to their pastors rejoicing and praising God. Like this is exactly what the angels were doing. They show up and announce the good news. I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. And then a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. And then what the shepherds do, when they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. So you have these, these rough people who, kind of in the back of their heads, think if they entered a, a church, they'd burn it down, like that this church would start on fire because of how awful they are, because of how much they don't fit, because of how apart they are, outcast. And instead, God meets them. And in meeting them, they become like the angels. 
They take the role like the angels. They go out and proclaim the good news to the people and draw them to Jesus. And in this work, they rejoice and glorify God. I, I think it's kind of funny that the, the roughest people in town get the angels to announce them the good news. And the best people in town, the decent people in town, get the roughest people in town to announce the good news to them. <laughs> it's like he draws us. He draws us to himself. But that in drawing us to himself, we go out and want to tell everybody. Another thing I was thinking about is the way that he meets us, the way that he calls us is specific to us. Like the Magi he calls through their studies, through their intelligence, through their observation. They're these really smart, wealthy people that are looking up at the skies and trying to discern things. And then they find this interesting pattern and that interesting pattern draws them to Jesus. The shepherds aren't going to do that. The shepherds are going to be like, huh, there's a star. Like, okay, that's a really cool star. He doesn't draw the shepherds through their intelligence. He doesn't draw them through science. He doesn't draw them through their observation. He sends an angel to blow some trumpets and say, hey, come on over. He's super clear. So he meets us. He draws us through the way that we are. And we can often throw up these obstacles to say, like, I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough time. I'm not, I'm not dedicated enough. I'm this and this and this problem with me. He knows. He knows. And he's passionate to get to you. So he's not going to put the signs to him far away where you're not going to notice them. He wants to get your attention. He wants you to notice. He wants you to come. But I think one thing that we, where we get stuck and this is another part that both the Magi and the Shepherds show us, is like thinking about the Magi, for example. There's these scientists, they're looking at the sky, they're observing, they find this really interesting pattern. They could just write a scientific journal about it and then feel really satisfied with themselves. They're like, whoa, we discovered this new thing and we are the first to discover it and we're writing about it and we're going to get kind of famous in the astronomy world about this new discovery we made. No, because that's not the point. They let their discovery, they let the joy of that discovery lead them to a greater joy. Because you think of the shepherds in the field, they could have just used that as a really cool story the rest of their lives. Well, these angels showed up one night and it was just the most wild thing. And then we went back to sleep afterwards. Like that, this amazing thing happens to them, but it's not the end. It, it actually just draws them to the point, draws them to God. And so I think we need to let this happen more. We, we, we write about these God moments, these beautiful moments that happen in our life. They're beautiful in and of themselves, but the point is that they draw us farther. They draw us to come to know the Lord and his love for us, and the way that he specifically sought us, that he specifically seeks you week by week. He specifically seeks you. He wants to get your attention. He loves you. And so this week, let's let him draw us. We know that there's parts of us that we'd rather keep hidden, that we'd rather keep outcast, that we're not comfortable with, that we don't like. Let's let him draw those. Let's let him announce good news to those places and love those places in us.
because those places can become the greatest places of intimacy. And from those places, we can actually become the best evangelists. So let's show up this Christmas unworthy and dirty, but hungry, eager for a God who can meet us there, who really loves us there. Hey, thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please leave a review on your podcast app and share this with a friend. I also want to remind you to check out the Known program, Known, Embraced by the Heart of the Father. You can find it at knownbythefather.com. It's amazing.